We're going to break this down into a few different sections of Jude. Now, if you notice, you should be able to read through Jude pretty easily in about how long? Four minutes, right? Uh, it is a quick read. So I want to encourage you as a church family to get to know the book of Jude. Now, if you're interested, I've got some study helps. I'd be glad. Could you get to knowing more in certain aspects of this book than me? That'd be great because it's all about your walk with God. But I at least want to encourage you to read through the book of Jude a few times a week. I'm not going to ask you every Sunday now, did you read it this week? That's whatever. I just want to encourage you, as quick and as short as this book is, you really could get to know it. One of the great ways of memorizing Scripture is just by continuing to read it again. You will become more and more familiar if you read this. It really, as part of your daily devotions, it'll take you an extra four minutes, right? Uh, I just want to encourage you, really get to know the book of Jude and ask God to help you seek Him more as we study this as a church family. This morning, we'll be looking at all of the first two verses. I know, it's like, how can we fill all of that? You know me. Uh, we will fill the whole time with these two verses as we look at that and study this out. But I'm challenged. The first thought that I want you to take away from our five-part study is that you and I, we need to seek God with help from spiritual leaders. Seek God with help from spiritual leaders. Now, throughout this study, we'll also talk about seeking God through the truth, seeking God and being blessed, seeking God as an individual, and seeking to praise God as we wrap up actually with a doxology uh, at the last part of the book of Jude. But today, as we look at verses 1 and 2, I want to encourage you to seek God with help from spiritual leaders. But do I really need spiritual leaders to help me seek God? I mean, individually, can't I seek God? Well, of course. In fact, we have been given the Word of God translated into our language. Now, you remember, the New Testament was written originally in what language? Greek. And unless you're Nick Chavikas, because you're Greek, you can't read Greek very well, can you? Uh, and yet, even as Nick and I have talked... The Koine, the Bible Greek, is a little different than the modern Greek. But as we think about that, it has been translated by scholars into a language we all know. Now, whether or not we always understand how English works, right? That's something else. But we all know and understand English. It's written in a language so that we can understand it. It's translated. This is for us. It's not just so that I can know some things and teach it to you. You have the Word of God so that you can walk with God. We each can have that personal relationship with God. You remember when Jesus Christ died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. Really reminding us and teaching that you have direct access to God. And you can be so thankful for that through Jesus Christ. But speaking of that, then, do I need a spiritual leader to help me? 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So here Peter is saying, you've been given everything you need to live godly in this world. So then do I need spiritual leaders? Now stop and think about it. Who wrote that? Of course it's the word of God, but... 
Peter, a spiritual leader, wrote this. Now, it is very interesting, as we look at the book of Jude, many believe that Jude is kind of a follow-up to the book of 2 Peter, likely written to the Gentile believers in the city of Ephesus. And as we think about that and, and how it applies and really is a response to some of these battles, Peter is challenging them that they need to beware because false teachers are coming. And Jude says, they're here, watch out. Isn't that where we live today? Yet you and I must seek God on our own. But friends, there is such an important aspect biblically taught of the room and the need of spiritual leaders. Now, a spiritual leader might take all sorts of sizes or looks or whatever it may be. We think of Sunday school teachers. We think of the pastor, right? There are other spiritual leaders. And again, we've got to be very cautious. There are many spiritual leaders who have written great books. We handed one out for Mother's Day. Men, I already warned you, we've got one for Father's Day. Uh, and uh, these are great books by spiritual leaders to help you and me grow spiritually. Sometimes there are warnings to be heeded. Stay away from or watch out for false doctrine or false teaching in this area. Sometimes it's just a challenge. Hey, let's shore up this area of life so we can live faithfully for God. Spiritual leaders are needed. God has given spiritual leaders to help us seek and know him better. We think of how easily we are deceived. Do you know anybody who's really gullible, right? Don't you have fun with that person? Uh, man, you can do all sorts of fun stuff with them, and you don't have to say much, and they believe the world is collapsing. or I mean, what? I mean, it's just crazy, right, what we can do. But the sad reality is that you and I are so easily deceived. In fact, again, Peter warns that in 2 Peter that they needed to be cautious because false teachers were coming. Jude is writing because they have arrived. But think of some people in the Bible who were deceived. And 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Was Adam wrong? Yes. In fact, Romans 5 tells us clearly that by as one Man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And as we continue reading through Romans 5, we see Adam was that figurehead that God made, the first man, and that sin passed through him. Again, Jesus Christ. He did not have an earthly father, did he? Again, we could look at it and study that out in depth. He had that uh, Joseph, who kind of adopted him and took him on, but... He was not Jesus' father. Jesus was miraculously put into Mary's womb. She was his mother. But here we see that Eve was deceived. We know there are many others throughout the Bible times who were deceived and easily deceived to believe this or to believe that. We quoted from, just a minute ago, I quoted from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, where Paul talks about someone else who is deceived. In 2 Timothy 4, 10, Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Demas. Was he deceived? Yeah, he loved the world. He got distracted by the things of the world. Now I want you to think about your own life. Not to pull up some trash can lid and smell, 
but to look back and see how easily we get deceived. And maybe even right now there are some things that are deceiving you that you just don't know, right? When we're deceived, we just don't know it. So Jude writes this book to warn them there are false teachers among them. In fact, in Jude verse number 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave you all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, his desire was to write about soteriology, or the doctrine of what? Salvation, that common salvation. Remember, the likelihood he's writing to Gentiles. Did they have the same salvation as the Jews? Yes, through Jesus Christ. So he's talking about that. His desire was to write unto them about salvation. Maybe it was going to be just a a great letter of praise to God for the great gift of salvation. We end up the last part of the book of Jude, and we see a doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I mean, we think about how great God is. We don't know exactly what his desire was, but the Holy Spirit had Jude write down, not just about salvation, but verse 3 goes on, and he says, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now next week we'll dig into those verses and and really pull them apart. But Jude, he's warning them, you have deceivers among you. And friend, we have deceivers among us. Now I'm not saying here in the church. I don't know. I hope you're not a deceiver here in the church. But I know in our world, there are spiritual leaders who are deceiving with the truth. They may quote a little bit of the scriptures. They may take the Bible out of context. Or they may not even use it and just sound so polished and flowery that they're so easily to be believed. So we'll get into that. But friend, an important part of our spiritual growth requires spiritual leaders. Even for me as pastor, there are spiritual leaders that I have in my life that I need. God gives us spiritual leaders. We are so easy to be deceived. And we are warned not to be deceived throughout Scripture. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. We've got to be aware of certain things and turn away from them. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. People who deceive are often what? Deceive themselves. So we're not being harsh or unloving, but as your pastor friend, I am warning you, there are deceivers in our world that Satan wants to deceive you into thinking whatever it is wrong about God and his church. That doesn't mean Jerusalem Baptist Church is a perfect church. The first reason is because we're all here, right? And we're all sinners. But the reality is, this is a great place that God has allowed us to come and worship Him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? We just sang that. I mean, we get to worship God together. But there's things that Satan wants to use to deceive us, to distract us from the truth of God's word and abiding in Him. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John writes, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. How do we try them? How do we prove them or test them? We must know the word of God. And if all you're getting is what I'm giving to you, friend, you are starving spiritually. Now, I praise God. I know many of you talk about even the time you spend in God's word, not in a bragging way, but the ways that God's teaching you and the things that God is doing in your heart. You don't know what that does to encourage my heart as you do that. But friend, you and I need to try those teachers and leaders that are out in our world and see, according to the word of God, do they line up? Jesus said, we'll know them by their fruit. Well, of course, we have to know what the fruit's supposed to look like in our own lives and in other lives. And it comes as we take that fresh look at Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When you and I see him for who he is, it makes all the difference. And from that's my desire as pastor, whether it's the songs that we sing as a church family or the messages that I preach or even in our afternoon services, the, the lessons we go through, the practical side as we're going through a new series on prayer and how to pray, trying to give some practical tools to some spiritual disciplines we are to have as believers because I know they're tough to do because I'm a person. <laughs> And, and so everything that I try to accomplish and try to teach is really to help you know God more so that you as an individual can try the spirits to see whether they be of God. In fact, why is it that you bring the word of God with you? So that you can open it up and hear from God, but also so you can make sure I am teaching the truth of the word of God. Don't just trust me because I'm your pastor. Look at the word of God. You and I need that. But here is Jude starts off this letter. The first two verses really point out the truth that he's a spiritual leader that God is using in their lives right now. Likely the Gentile believers at Ephesus, though we aren't for sure. He's writing to them and he's saying, as a spiritual leader, I am challenging you. Now look at a couple things as we look at these verses. Number one, I want you to acknowledge leaders in Christ. Acknowledge leaders in Christ. He starts out talking about himself. Then he says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So he talks about who he is. Now not everything about him, or not really even all of the good things that we might want to claim if we were Jude. Acknowledge the spiritual leaders. Where does he start out with when he talks about himself? He talks about his spiritual relationship to Christ. And friend, if you're going to acknowledge the leaders in Christ, you must first see the relationship to Christ must be the priority. Again, you, you can't know my relationship with Christ really, can you? I mean, other than by my fruits. But you can't really know, am I walking with the Lord? Can't we fake it sometimes? Right? As individuals, we can. But Jude, he's pointing out first his relationship with Christ is what gives him the opportunity to speak the truth in love. He says Jude himself, the servant of Jesus Christ. The word servant means a slave or a bond servant. A voluntary, fully devoted servant. 
Someone who is willing to go back. Kind of what they would do at times is they would free one of their servants. Remember, even in the Old Testament, the command, if they had, there was those years that they served and then they were to have freedom. And one would say, oh man, I love my master. I want to go back and serve him. And willing to be devoted to that master the rest of their life. Paul and others talk about themselves being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Not my buddy upstairs. Or not just my friend. We have a friend in Jesus, right? We, we sing about that. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And we do. Jesus Christ says, he tells us as friends what he's going to do. But we aren't just buddies with God. We are the servants of God. I, and I, I love how Jude puts this. He says he is a servant of Jesus Christ. He says this about himself. But do you think that if he claimed it and didn't live it, the people would know what he's talking about? Uh, people know pretty easily, right? We can claim all sorts of stuff. But claims aren't always true. And claims can be seen true or false based upon how we live. Oh, I love Jesus. Aren't there so many people in our country who say, I love God? Well, why is our country in all these problems then? Because it goes back to our personal relationship with God. If each of us really sees ourselves as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. By the way, friend, when you do something to serve here at church, you're not serving me. It is a blessing. But you are doing that for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's mowing the grass or working in the kitchen or teaching a class or vacuuming or uh, the list goes on and on, serving with food distribution or one thing after another, you are here to serve Christ, a servant of Christ. And when we really see that, that changes the way we live. And Jude, as the spiritual leader, he says, this is me. I'm not here just to be the teacher. He said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I do God's bidding on my life. And so as a spiritual leader, he was accepting this relationship, not just, well, this is what I am. No, he joyfully accepted this. This was his claim to fame, a servant of Jesus Christ. But do you know what his claim to fame could have been? Instead of saying a servant of Jesus Christ, he could have said the brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He could have. Because we really believe Jude was one of Jesus' half-brothers. But he didn't claim this blood relationship. He wasn't a name-dropper. He didn't claim this blood relationship as his claim to leadership. It was his personal relationship with Jesus Christ on that spiritual side, not just the physical. And friend, whatever it is in life, again, evaluate spiritual leaders. What is it? Do they really have a walk with the Lord? Psalms talks about that. Psalm 119, 9, 10, and 11 talks about seeking God with our whole heart and knowing Him. The spiritual relationship to Christ must be the priority. Though he does mention also another human name. And I really believe that this physical relationship he points out is to help other believers identify Him. He points out a physical relationship. It's not with Jesus. It is with... James, okay? Now, James was the pastor at the church of Jerusalem. And we can look at James and see, man, God used him greatly. James had some weight of authority. You know, sometimes Paul would do that with leaders. He would send their way and say, I am sending so-and-so to you as your leader. I am sending this person here 
as a leader. He's mentioning them, giving them some authority based upon who is sending them and has ordained them to go. He is connected here to James. You know, sometimes we think about how churches today ordain a pastor. It's not just some special classification they give to a pastor, but it is there that church putting their hand of recognition that this man knows the truth of the word of God and that this man is sound when it comes to Bible doctrine, that ordination process. Not, again, just to put some high lofty position, but, uh, again, a hand of recognition. This person knows the word of God. When I have a missionary call me, or we, we get ready to have some in, I don't always know these missionaries, but there are some things that I like to do to help me understand them and know them a little bit more. Sometimes it's, okay, I may know a mission board that they're connected with, and I know where that mission board stands doctrinally. Or sometimes, as I talk with them, we often talk, I don't know, an hour plus on the phone just to really get to know each other. But, but when we talk, sometimes it's knowing where they went to Bible college because I understand where that Bible college teaches and where they stand on doctrine. By the way, faith and practice is important, not just these overall doctrines. And so we get to know some things about them. Now, that doesn't answer all the questions. Jude here, he's not just saying... James is sending me out, so uh, just trust everything I say. His first relationship is with Jesus Christ, the spiritual relationship. By the way, which is so important for each of us. My relationship with God as an individual must be priority. But as a spiritual leader, as you're looking to spiritual leaders, you must see their, their spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Are they saved? Now, I have shared with you countless times, I hope some of you even know when it was that I trusted Christ as Savior. I don't do that just so you know. But I want you to know that I'm a sinner just like you, and I need a Savior just like you. Not just for salvation, but for daily Christian living. So James is a brother of Jesus. Jude is a brother of James, of course, a brother of Jesus. But as that spiritual leader, his priority is his spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And thus, he looks a little different. Not because of his race as a Jew. Not because of his family heritage, but because spiritually he was born again. John chapter 3 talks about how we can be born again. It's not just the physical relationship but it is that spiritual relationship. So as you look through the lives of spiritual leaders, acknowledge their important role, but make sure you know they walk with the Lord. Because why would you want to follow someone who you don't know walks with the Lord? Again, you can't know everything about someone's life, can you? The reality, we can't know everything about a spouse's life or a close friend's life. But as you look at spiritual leaders, make sure that their spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ is a priority. So Jude, as he's talking about this, he then moves on to them as individuals. And he points out, as a leader, some truths in their life. So number one, acknowledge leaders in Christ. Number two, acknowledge who you are in Christ. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. 
There are some specific things that the spiritual leader points out about their lives as individuals. Number one, you are sanctified by God. The word sanctified means to make holy or to set apart from the world and unto God. To sanctify. One word in a definition that I read is to alienate from the world. In fact, the Bible talks about how we are aliens in this world. Not aliens like from UFOs, right? Uh, but this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. An alien, a stranger, one who that's not where they're from or where their final destination is or what their home is. They're just kind of traveling through. We're pilgrims on this journey. Hebrews talks about that. Acknowledge who you are in Christ. You are sanctified. Notice this is a position of sanctification. To them that are sanctified. Friend, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you are set apart from the world. You are set apart unto God. You are holy in Christ. Now that also means that we need to be practically sanctified. And we've talked about that. How we need to yield our lives to God. Because don't we all have some more holiness we need to allow God to work into us? In different areas, whether it's our speech or our thoughts or our actions or attitudes. or The list goes on and on. But here, Jude says he's writing as a spiritual leader to those who are sanctified. Again, they are believers. He's not just writing to people out there. We can write letters to people. Jude, this is scripture. He's writing to believers. You are sanctified. So why then, if I am sanctified, I'm made holy by God, I am set apart from the world unto God, why then should I dress like the world? Why then should I listen to music like the world? Why then should I fill up all of my entertainment with that which is of the world's philosophy? Because this world is not my home. But when I do that, I, I begin to think and act more like the world as opposed to acting like that sanctified, set-apart believer. Jane, or Jude here, he's writing to believers saying, don't be deceived. And friend, we have so many things that are ready to deceive us today. So we must be faithful to knowing our position in Christ. Let the spiritual leaders teach you your position in Christ. Know it through the word of God. It's not your relationship with me as pastor. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you are sanctified. Number two, you are preserved in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Back to verse 1. To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. The word preserved means to guard or keep in the state in which one is found. You can never lose salvation. Aren't you thankful? I was four and a half years old and, man, I was taught ever since a little kid that I was a sinner. Didn't take a whole lot of teaching. <laughs> man, I, I, I could tell you I was a sinner and my sin as a kid was enough to send me to hell because God says the wages of sin, not the wages of that big sin, not the wages of one of the seven deadly sins that the people want to, to look at. And yes, the Bible talks about, it classifies sins in different ways, but it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as a four-and-a-half-year-old, I realized my sin was enough to send me to hell, and I needed a Savior. But one died for me, the only one we could have, and that's Jesus Christ, who Jude just said, he's the one I'm a bondservant to. 
Friend, you are sanctified if you're saved. You are preserved. You will not lose your salvation. No matter how hard this life gets, you can take joy in Christ. Because this world is not your home. You are just passing through. The promise of the word of God that it to be absent from the body if you're saved is to be present with the Lord. What a comfort that brings in time of death of a loved one. What a comfort that brings as we go through trials and struggles of life. I am preserved in Christ, not based on works I can do, but because of his mercies. Acknowledge who you are in Christ. You are sanctified by God. You are preserved in Jesus Christ. John 10, we don't have time to dig into it, but John 10, verses 27 through 30, really dig into this, how Jesus Christ says, we're in the Father's hand and His hand, and nothing, no one, anywhere, anyhow, can pluck you out of the Father's hand. That means you can't do it yourself. That sin you commit. There are many who believe that that we can lose our salvation. Friend, you did nothing to earn it. There's no way you can lose it because you are preserved in Jesus Christ. That should bring comfort to your heart this morning. Sometimes we need spiritual leaders to help remind us of some of these truths, don't we? Because we get so lost in our own thought and forget some of these truths. You are sanctified by God. You are preserved in Jesus Christ. You are called. You are called. The end of this verse says, and called. It just strictly says, and called. This word in the Greek means invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain salvation through Christ. Again, it really deals with your standing in Christ because of salvation. Now, often we'll talk about how you're called to serve Christ, and you are. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talk about how we're called for salvation. By grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, But verse 10 goes on how we are saved unto good works. So we are called in Christ Jesus for salvation and, yes, to live for him. But, friend, I just want you to think about this morning, your position in Christ. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you're saved, you are sanctified, you're preserved in Christ, you are called by God, you can't lose salvation. That brings comfort and joy. Acknowledge who you are in Christ. And as exciting as that is, if you're not saved, friend... None of those things are true of you. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online this morning, friend, Christ died for your sins, and unless you're saved, you are not sanctified positionally unto God. You are not preserved in Jesus Christ. In fact, the only promise you have for eternity is hell. You are not called. Now, he is calling you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you're here or you're watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, well, friend, today is the day of salvation. Jude is a spiritual leader, is writing to believers, and he's saying there is one way for salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. Old song, one way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. It's all about Christ. And then you're preserved in Christ. Again, that's why Jude started out with as a spiritual leader. He is a what? Bond servant of Jesus Christ. He's not, oh man, I'm his half brother. I got to live in his house and I got in trouble every time because he never did anything wrong. I mean, he didn't say all this stuff, right? He said his spiritual relationship, he needed Jesus as his savior, even though he was half brother to Jesus Christ. And he says, I am his bond servant. And friends, 
as you look at spiritual leaders in your life. Acknowledge who you are or, friends, who you need to be. He is calling you unto him. And then number three, acknowledge spiritual gifts given in Christ. Now, we're right here, we're not talking about the spiritual gifts of, uh, of teaching and all these other things. We've taught through that. But right now, I want you to look at some of the spiritual gifts in verse number two. Mercy unto you and peace and love. Now, we can quickly read through these things, but there is so much depth here. Mercy. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You have been given mercy. This word mercy means compassion of God toward sinners. Well, we all fall in the category of sinner, don't we? Praise God, we all fall in the category of God's mercies are new every morning. You have to receive it. Again, we talked about that, receiving that at salvation. But remember, Jude is writing to believers and he said, you have God's mercy on your life. What a blessing. You don't deserve a right position or a standing before God. You don't deserve his mercy. As an unsaved sinner, you need his mercy. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And yet, as a saved sinner, you need his mercy. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friend, I don't know where you find yourself positionally. If you're saved, praise God. If not, you need to be saved. But maybe you're here and you're saved and there's just some things in your life that you just need God's mercy to wash over you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's mercies are new every morning. Acknowledge these gifts. You have been given mercy. You have been given peace. This peace is, a, again, a salutation or a greeting here in this letter that it, it really is a distinctly Christian thing in the early Greek writing here. It was distinctly Christian as they talked about peace. By the way, it follows the Hebrew shalom, right, as they would greet each other with peace, talking about having that right relationship with God. It's that tranquil state of the soul. And so this is a gift God gives to believers. And Jude says... In light of situations going on in your life, and as Peter wrote about persecution and challenged them to beware because false teachers were coming, Jude says, because you're saved, you have God's peace. So are you experiencing God's peace? Or are you living in anxiety? Friend, God wants you to experience the gift he's given you. If you're saved, he's given you peace. Spend time in his word reflecting on who he is. And then he says, you have been given love, mercy unto you, peace and love. Love is not a feeling, it is a choice. It is something that God has done for you and me. We're to love others with his love, but he loves you. And then look at how this verse ends. He, Jude is saying, let all of these be multiplied. The word multiply means to increase or richly abound. So because you're saved... You have some of these. So think about these truths. As a believer, if you're saved here this morning, you have God's mercy, you have his peace, you have his love. But Jude is desiring that these believers experience it, what? More and more. You get to experience that tomorrow more than you did today. And I hope that on Tuesday you'll experience it more than you did on Monday. 
But that only comes through you spending time with God, abiding in Him, in His Word. So, does God want to use spiritual leaders in your life? He used you to help point out some great truths. And friend, I, I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Will you let God do a great work in your heart that only he can? Maybe it's reminding you of a position in Christ and thus being strengthened and encouraged with his word. Or maybe it's through the preaching of the word this morning, you are challenged that you are on your way to hell and you need a savior. Christ died for you, friend. Receive his gift of salvation today. Father, we're so thankful for your love. We're thankful for this opportunity that we have to gather and to worship you. And we ask that you would do what only you can. God, I pray that you would encourage hearts this morning. God, as we are beginning this new study in the book of Jude, Lord, I pray that you will encourage those who are saved, that their position in you does make a practical difference in their life. And they can experience your peace more and more and your love and, God, your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would help them to see the need of spiritual leaders in their lives. God, we thank you for who you are. But Lord, I do pray that if there are some who don't know you as Savior, that God, this morning you would convict their hearts that they need you, that they need the one who died for their sins. God, we thank you so much for who you are and all you've done. Throughout this study, help us to seek you more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey.